The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. We're back with another solo episode this week, and our topic, as you saw in the title, is red flags specifically during your job search. I have, I believe, three job search episodes up already, and there's going to be another finale, if you will, coming in the few weeks, but I'm going to be sharing a ton, like probably an overwhelming amount of information in this episode, and it's not all my opinions because I've only been around the block once. I didn't check out that many offices. It's not like I have a survey of 100 offices and personal experience of four or five associateships. So what I did is used you all, used my resources, and reached out to some younger dentists that I know for advice on their job searches and what red flags they were looking out for or that they unfortunately encountered along their time of looking for a job or throughout their first job. So let's dive right right into those red flags. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we're going to be breaking down the red flags by topic to try to keep it a little more simple because it's going to be information overload a bit, especially if this is your first time thinking about how you're going to go through finding an office to work for. So the first thing is going to be the interview slash shadow day, the money, past associates, the team, your boss, and lastly, the contract. And before I jump into the interview shadow day first topic, I just want to preface that a lot of things could seem like red flags until you address them. So I know it can be intimidating especially if you're looking for your first ever job, you might feel less experienced, less qualified, that you don't have leverage to negotiate or that you don't want to negotiate because you don't want to seem ungrateful and it could create a potentially bad dynamic. These are all things I feel like a lot of people fear and worry about going into looking for a job. But I would just say you're an adult, you're a doctor, You are their colleague at the end of the day, and you would hope that someone's going to communicate with you respectfully and see you as a fellow doctor, and hopefully you're being interviewed by someone that is more experienced than you and that you can learn from, because I'm sure that's something that most of us are looking for when we're going to be joining a team is that you have potential for growth, but I would say that doesn't make you less worthy and kind of circling around with this whole point of what I'm saying that if anything here that I'm saying happens or you notice it 
just bring it up to the person hiring you, to the owner, to the doctor, and say, hey, I that really value this in a team or in an environment, how do you see that at your office? Or how do you make that a priority? Or if you notice something weird, literally just be transparent and bring it up because what are you going to do if you do work there? How do you want those conversations to go? Don't you want an open dialogue? And don't you want to feel comfortable talking to this person because you're going to run into tricky situations throughout your career and you want to be comfortable and feel like your opinion is heard and respected and hopefully some kind of back and forth and mutual agreement can be met you know so just because something comes up it doesn't mean for sure run and hide cross it off your list ghost them which we can talk about in the finale of my job search a different episode you don't want to be ghosting people that is not a good way to end off a relationship But if you can successfully get through the different phases of a job search while maintaining professionalism and respect in that working relationship, I would say that's a testament to the future success of that working relationship. So take it on yourself to inquire about these things, ask for revisions to the contract or the offer before saying that these are a hard no, a hard red flag, because the person you're working for might be really open to changes and it's not really a red flag because it's not something permanent but you'll pick up throughout this episode which things are kind of black and white details that can be negotiated versus culture and things that just aren't going to change that might not be the right fit for you so all of my kind of prequel out of the way let's get right into the actual red flags and again This is not all from me. This is not my words per se. These are anonymous submissions and then a few of my own tossed in there. So when you're doing your first interview or maybe it's a shadow day, sometimes you're going to have a phone call, get to know you, and that might be a formal interview or it might be more casual. And then if that goes well, you'll get invited to the office for a shadow day or maybe your interview is going to be at the office already. So I would say it's a red flag if the owner or person interviewing you seems uninterested in the process. This is a personal experience from someone. They had an interview where the doctor was in their backyard on FaceTime and was just laying on a couch. It made me feel like he wasn't serious about it. See, that's a pretty telling experience. And I feel like if someone is taking interviews way, way too relaxed, they're probably getting burnt out on doing the interviews and that's why they're sick of being really uptight and professional. So they're trying to be more relaxed about it and not take it so seriously, but that's probably because they're going through so many interviews and so many meet and greets with potential associates. And then you want to wonder why haven't they found someone yet? You know, this again, not my own experience being asked if you have tough skin at an interview. She said there's a difference between being able to take criticism and having to accept people being rude to you. It gets old pretty quick. I would say if when you're there for the office visit and you're observing the day, I think it's a green flag if the patients are making an effort to get to know you and tell you how much they love the practice or their history with the practice or their family's history with the practice, a really nice anecdote about why they love the doc there or the team there. And if they're not doing that, I honestly think it is a red flag because all of the offices that I thought positively about 
had patients that also had positive things to say. I didn't even bring it up, of course. But if patients are going out of their way to give those good testimonials to you as a potential doc at the office, I think that says a lot. So if they're not doing that, you might want to wonder, like, is this more of a express line kind of practice where patients are just boom, 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 going through no personal relationship? Or is this more of a close-knit community practice? And again, it depends what you're looking for. But for me, that would not be ideal. I would say if they won't let you come in on a working day or not open to you being in the office real time with real patients and their full team there, I would say it's a red flag if no one in the team makes an effort to get to know you, if the team doesn't seem to get along, and just like really being an investigator when you're there and picking up like all the tiniest little details around you, kind of just like roaming the halls in between procedures or if you're watching the doc do a filling, okay, you get it, maybe step out of the room and just see what everyone's up to, see how people are talking amongst each other because... I've experienced offices in my lifetime so far of dentistry, not even necessarily when I was looking for a job, but I feel like dental office dynamics can be very interesting and you really want to see how the staff communicates with each other. Do they all get along? Do they say things to each other's faces? Do they address issues or is there a lot of gossip and negativity and kind of like two sides, like the office doesn't all get along with each other and in kind of the same way like how does the doctor talk to the team versus how do they talk to other doctors and how do they talk to patients you really want to see that they're the same person no matter what and that they're genuine and that they are driven by the same goals for this dental practice regardless of who they're talking to and that they uphold the same values no matter who they're talking to and that was one of the really big things that I was picking up on throughout my office visits. I would say to me, this is a personal one, I prefer teams that do a morning huddle and gets everyone together and that everyone's on the same page for the office's goals. So if you feel like it's an office where the assistants, a few of them get there early and do all the pre-setup, some of the other team members get there five or ten minutes before, the doctor doesn't have to be there till start of first patient and expects everything to be ready for them and just kind of reviews everything on their own and doesn't go over it necessarily with the team and there's not a lot of structure. To me, that's a red flag because I think it's going to be really hard to assimilate into that and to find your place and to find any kind of community within that office and find any direction and leadership when there's not clear time to come together as a team. And do people like working there? I think if you have somehow go to an office and the team is complaining to you about the office, well, I'm sure that's a big red flag that anyone would notice. And a lot of people go back and forth about working interviews. Obviously, as a new grad, you're not able to do a working interview unless you're licensed and haven't found a job yet. But for the most part, it seems that the dental community is kind of down on working interviews. So I would like to think you can get everything you need out of a very thorough office visit on a day when they're seeing patients. You can see how the assistants work. You can see how everyone communicates. All those things I've been mentioning that I don't see why they need to put you working on their patients. It just seems like a little bit strange to me. So some people say that working interviews are red flags. 
two more things within the office visit. I think this is really the longest category because there's so many things you need to be looking out for during your interview and during your office visit because that's your time to, like I said, just be the detective and pick up every little detail and see what it means to you. So many of these red flags might not be a red flag to you because it depends what you're looking for, but these are things that people really thought I should be mentioning in this episode. So this was something I think is important to pick up on in addition to how the doctor is communicating with different types of people, whether that be like different patients, I said, or the team or other doctors. What happens if something goes awry? How have people responded? And honestly, I feel like something goes wrong, whether it be tiny or big, every single day, to be honest. So you're probably going to see something not ideal, whether it's patient cancellations or emergencies and the schedule's getting too backed up, a procedure goes long, lab wasn't there when it was supposed to be, different things like that. What happens? How are people responding? Do they kind of have a protocol for all these potential little things that could go wrong? And are they responding in a way that they're placing blame on a specific team member? Or are they accepting responsibility or just jumping ahead to how do we solve this and being really proactive? Like looking at how they're problem solving and dealing with issues. And another thing, if you get the chance to experience this, I didn't really see this during a job shadow day. But if something goes wrong, are they honest with the patient? And I think that's a huge ethical issue within dentistry is how transparent are you with patients when something doesn't go right do you tell them oh hey mom and dad we ended up seeing another cavity on this other tooth next to the one we told you we were going to work on so so we just took care of that too when in reality they drilled on the wrong tooth in the first place so then they did two fillings instead of one I would like to think that the offices you're working in hold the same ethical standards that you would. So if anything goes wrong, how are they addressing it to the patients? Are they being honest? Are they keeping them in the loop? Are they taking responsibility? And that can be very telling to how other situations will play out or how they are going to tell you to behave when certain situations happen, kind of dictating how you're going to practice in a way and the ethics that they would like you to uphold within their office. Okay, that was a really long one. So the next topic we're going to talk about is the money. I would beg to say that a lot of us are really concerned about money, especially as new grads coming out with lots of student debt and everything. But I think it's something people can get really, really caught up in. And honestly, in dentistry with things being percentage-based It really comes down to you, to us, to the dentist, how much money you're going to make at the end of the day. But there are a couple things that can hinder you from your earning potential. And that's kind of what these red flags are going to be in terms of the money. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
So what are those things that can hinder your financial success? As I said, so much of dentistry is production-based, collections-based, and you're getting a percentage of that as the associate, the one doing the work. So what I have heard from people is that red flags would be not having a plan of how they're going to fill your schedule and not having a plan of how they're going to get patients in the chair and how they're going to, depending on the structure of what you're entering into, not having a plan of how they will make patients happy to see you versus other dentists or dentists in the office. And that's a lot of what I see colleagues struggling with when they first get started is they thought they'd be busy at this practice and they're not and they're disappointed in that and then their pay is reflecting it because they're not doing as much work as they thought they would and that also aside from the money that hinders your clinical growth if you're not busy and you're not really working on your clinical skills then how are you going to improve as a clinician so that would be one of the biggest red flags that indirectly relates back to money is not having a plan of how they're going to build your schedule and likewise how you get paid is a lot of times insurance based so you have to get credentialed with various insurance companies if this office is in network with various insurance companies so do they have a plan of how they want you to get credentialed do they have a plan of which insurances or groups they're going to get you credentialed with And what is the pay timeline going to look like? And if they don't know anything about that or don't even know that newer docs for Delta get lower reimbursement because we can't be Delta Premier. I talked to someone that didn't even know about that. So to me, that was a big red flag because it's like, how are you going to help me as a new grad be successful in your type of practice environment? And if they're very insurance-based, do they have a plan for you? And are they going to help you with insurance contract negotiation? Do they have a company that they work with? Are they going to force you almost indirectly to just sign on to the first rate that they offer you to rush the process and make it as quick as possible? And the day you get your license, then you can start finishing and applying for your credentialing. So it's going to be a period of months till you're credentialed. So how are they going to keep you busy as an out-of-network provider for those few months. And oh, wow, I didn't write this one on my notes, but big, big red flag. They tell you, you can do the procedures and we'll bill it out under dentist X, me, owner, whoever else in the office, and then I'll just pay you the rate from that. Like the office is still going to get paid through the insurance. We'll say that I did it, but you really did the procedure. That's insurance fraud. That's a very big red flag. So don't let anyone convince you into that. You don't want to get mixed into messy things as a new provider just because you didn't know. And I don't want to get too nitty gritty into insurance because I am no dental insurance expert. I had an episode probably three or four weeks ago with a dental insurance expert. So listen to that one if all of this seems scary or confusing that's a really really great baseline place to start learning about dental insurance so summarizing this red flag if they don't have a clear plan how dental insurance is going to look with you that's the first red flag and related to that if you're if they don't have a plan of how they would pay you if you left when you used to be 
and network with insurance companies through their office. So a lot of times if you did a procedure, the insurance company isn't going to be paying the office for two or three months, sometimes getting that collection back. So if you stopped working August 1st, the office might still be getting paid money from procedures that you did a month, two months later. So do they have a plan in place of that they're going to pay you for the work that you did, even if you don't work there still? So they should be open to that and understand that that's only fair because you did that work while you were still employed in their practice. Another thing that I think is a red flag is really, really big signing bonuses that try to hide the fine print. You know, if you straight up ask them, oh, the signing bonus looks great. What are the terms? associated with the bonus and they're like oh well don't worry about it like you're gonna have a great time here like you won't need to ever reimburse it because you're not gonna want to leave you'll love it here if they don't just say oh yes if you decide to leave before one year before two years before three years you will owe x amount of dollars back at that time they should just be transparent with it i don't think offering a big signing bonus is a red flag per se just recognize that usually that's bigger groups, corporate groups that have the money to do that and then make your own decision from there. But make sure that they're being honest with you about what repayment would look like of that bonus in any different situations. And another thing is not letting you see the schedule, not being able to track your production or not having access to it. Those are all big red flags, again, because it comes back to your own productivity as a clinician in their office. I would say if they're not letting you talk to a previous associate or showing previous associates production, if you can't talk to someone or see it in the books of what someone with the same schedule that they're claiming they're going to give you is doing, then you really have no idea of how much money you're going to make. So they should be transparent with that. So this was someone that offered a unique perspective another anonymous one. It said, on the other hand, to me, a big one is focusing on how much money is made each month. If they emphasize monthly goals and offer bonuses to hourly employees, that may not be a red flag for everyone, but to this anonymous submitter, they felt pressure to overdiagnose and overtreat to feel successful in this office or to reach the goals that they were putting on them. So you really want to know your goals, your values as a provider, and like what you're willing to do and what environment you're going to feel good about showing up to work and doing work in. And that's a lot of, again, as I always say, I feel like all my podcasts come back to that like self-reflection and knowing yourself and knowing what kind of environment you're going to work well in. And you might not know that till you get going on your job search. I think I've mentioned before Dr. Connie Wang's podcast. She has a few about also the same topic, red flags and associate job search and her own like job search saga. And she mentions like she thought she wanted something and ended up going with something completely different because you really don't know to get out there and see what offices are like and see what life is like for a dentist in that environment. And then you might think, actually, that would not be right for me. So some of this stuff, it's just going to be trial and error, and hopefully you can land on a really good gig your first time around being kind of empowered with all of this knowledge that we're talking about. But if you don't, it's okay. It's really common to need to try out a few different associateship types and practice models to find the right fit by actually, actually working there, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
So the last things we're going to talk about, we still have to go through past associates, the team, the boss, and finishing off with the big one, the contract itself. So for past associates, we already said it's a red flag if they're not letting you talk to past associates. It could just be, like I've said at the beginning, you want to say, well, could I talk to another associate? And if they say, oh no, I'm sorry, that's not an option, is it because the associate doesn't want to be contacted? And if so, that's kind of out of the employer's hands. If they said, no, I'm not willing to talk to future associates, then that's not necessarily the owner's fault to be holding against them. Maybe we'll downgrade it from a red flag to just a yellow flag. Similarly, I've heard it's a yellow flag if they have never had an associate because you don't really know if they're going to do a good job or a poor job with all the things you're looking for as an associate. But I don't think it's fair to call it a red flag because they haven't given them a chance yet to do a good job of having an associate. I think it's a big red flag if when you're talking about past associates or what are your goals for your associate and all they have to say is negative things about the people that they've worked with before. They have negatives to say about their work ethic, about their treatment planning, about their communication, about their teamwork skills, and they don't have anything positive to say. Because, I mean, you can't think one person is just 100% bad. I'm sure they had some good qualities that they could be mentioning but if they only focus on the negative I feel like that's kind of telling to their personality and maybe how a performance review would go with you one day you know they might not ever recognize your positive attributes and only focus on the negative and that can be very draining in a professional environment the next thing that people submitted a lot of people submitted this for red flags is quick turnover of previous associates a lot of associates leaving And that transitions us perfectly into the team because the next thing I would say equally as popular for red flags that people sent in to me is turnover of employees and not just even the associates. But if no one is sticking around to work for that boss, why should you? This is what someone said. And these are two other submissions that I was given related to the team. So not having to speak to the front office and meeting the team, like if they don't offer you that office visit like I was saying or they just don't let you or encourage you to go up and see how treatment planning works if there's a treatment plan coordinator or insurance coordinator or scheduling works or how do they do like triage over the phone to decide what kind of an emergency someone's calling in with are they need to come in today can they come in this week can they come in next week all those things I think are really important to get to know even if you could look at like an employee handbook or like anything that they give new hires about the protocols of the office, that could be really helpful because you can see if there's any red flags in there or a big red flag, they don't have any of that kind of stuff. And they say, oh, we just figure it out. To me, that's showing this organization and lack of goals for practice. And that would be a red flag to me personally. Another red flag is submitted by someone that said if they have if they don't have an office manager and either a non-business spouse or the dentist is trying to manage the HR payroll business stuff all by themselves again not all these red flags are a red flag to each person to me that's not ideal but it wouldn't be a hard no but it's something to keep in mind because then maybe things aren't being managed as efficiently as they should but I think sometimes dentists do a wonderful job of handling everything on themselves somehow. So lastly, we're going to talk about 
the boss, the person you will be working for and reporting to, and then the contract that they offer you. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I think you knew from the intro where I said that this would be a long and very detailed episode, that it would be long. So I want to make sure we wrap up soon. But we're going to talk about the person you're working for, potential red flags within that, and then the contract before we finish off the episode. So to me, it's a red flag if the person you're going to be working for or taking orders from is not even a dentist. Just keep that in mind. I would say the personality of the person, which can you could do a whole episode about like what makes a good boss, and I think it would vary person to person, so I'm just going to leave it at that. There could be red flags within the personality, and I would say it's a red flag if they don't handle challenges with grace and understanding if they're going into it with a lot of stress and anger and blame that would be a red flag I would say it's a red flag if the person that's supposed to be working with you and mentoring you and guiding you if that's something that you're looking for isn't actually gonna be there to do that (laughs) if they are saying yeah I'd love to like get ready to do a transition oh I'll be around the first like six months and then you know, you can always call on me if you need anything, but I'll be in Florida. Like I'm going out of town. I'm going to be a snowbird. Then that's really not that helpful if you actually need guidance at this stage in your career. Similarly, if the boss is being unclear about what mentorship will look like or being vague about the mentorship that they'll provide. If they're not giving you what you want, then red flag, right? Another one this is not my words, but words from someone else. A red flag would be when your boss acts like they're God's gift to earth and talks down to you. You definitely, I would think a red flag is being too cocky. Like there's nothing wrong with being confident, but you'll find that a lot of the best clinicians are very humble and they let their work speak for themselves, you know, and patient testimonials too, I think are another way that can show that you're an amazing clinician without having to tell everyone that you're an amazing clinician or tell everyone how much money you spent to learn XYZ skill. I personally would see that as a red flag as well. Um, This is saying if they don't know if they're really ready for an associate or don't know what factors you're looking at to see if they're ready to take on an associate, especially if it's like their first time doing so. So the person mentioned that some of these factors would be having the space, the number of operatories there, the number of RDHs to docs ratio, and how often are the hygienists there, new patients per month, total active patients, things like that are information that the doctor should be aware of, understanding and understanding how adding an associate in is going to affect those figures and the productivity of the office and the associate and if they just say that we're busy or we're booking out that's really not enough so if that's all they can give you then it might be a red flag and the same anonymous submitter emphasized 
it's not necessarily a red flag like I was saying earlier in the episode if they're open to looking into the data and figuring it out with you and making it a collaborative thing where you're both learning then it's different I would say another red flag that people have encountered is if they're getting bad-mouthed by local docs or doctors at study clubs or organized dentistry or if they have a really badly burnt past associate that you run into something to consider I think there's obviously two sides to every story and it can be a lot of like he said she said but maybe you don't even want to be involved in an office that had someone so badly burnt whether it was the office's or the associate's fault there's I think a professional way to go about ending relationships like that like working relationships so hopefully no one would end up that badly burnt and have such bad things to say I would say if the doc is not mentioning CE support that would be another red flag to me because you want to see that they have a plan for investing in you and investing in their team to get that office at the next level likewise I would say it's a red flag if the doc doesn't have an actual plan and goals for the office if they just kind of figuratively talk about all this stuff they'd like the office to do or they'd like an associate to do but they don't have any ideas or actual tangible actions planned to get there then I don't see how they're going to help you reach your goals either within that office they don't really seem like an action forward person which I think is really important for growth so lastly we're going to talk about the contract And I probably will have a whole episode about contracts. I probably am going to bring on the dental attorney that I worked with for my contract review, but I have some things submitted from others and a few that I added on here just to give you guys a little taste of some contract red flags. So someone submitted not having a contract is a gigantic red flag. Handshakes are good for some people, but having everything written down is key. And another red flag is non-competes that are too many miles. Even in a rural area, my dental attorney said 15 to 20 is average. So just keep that in mind. And then obviously if you're more metro, you're expecting that number to be lower. And then I would say it's a red flag if they're not open to offering a daily guarantee, at least for the first few months, to show that they have confidence in their own scheduling and ability to get patients on your schedule it doesn't need to be a gigantic number I think that's where a lot of people on the job search get caught up and can kind of leave a bad first impression with their potential new boss as if they're so nitty-gritty about the numbers of that guarantee I just think it's fair to offer some kind of baseline industry standard guarantee and it's not saying that the office couldn't just let you go if it's not working out within those few months if they can see that you're not going to get the kind of production that they were hoping you would get but it's just a nice I think fair way to both put your confidence in each other and I think that having some kind of daily guarantee at first is really something you should be looking for so like I said it's good to not be too nitpicky and If you've seen their production report and their patient count and you're confident that you're going to have patients, I don't think that the dollar amount that they're offering you in this guarantee is too big of a deal because hopefully you're going to be out producing that anyways. But 
a good range is anywhere from $500 a day up to I've heard people that I know that have $900 daily guarantees but like $650, $700 is really good. So if you're around there, especially if you're getting into a more urban area where there's a lot of competition for these jobs, don't be too nitpicky is my advice. Just show up and work hard and if you have a good percentage in your contract, that's so much more important than the flat rate because if they're holding up their end of the bargain and keeping you busy, you should have no problem outproducing that. I would say it's a red flag if there's not an introductory period where the non-compete won't be enforceable if either the employer or you decide to terminate the contract. So that's kind of up to you two to, to discuss like what is a fair introductory period. But if you're moving across the country and uprooting all your life to work at this office and it doesn't work out within a month, you shouldn't have to move 20 miles away to work again. You know, you should have the opportunity to work in whatever is the best office for you as your next step and they should feel like their loyal patients aren't going to follow someone that they never met because how many patients are you really seeing in a month or someone that they only saw one time. I really don't think patients develop trust with the clinician that quickly that they would follow you after one quick interaction, you know? So I think it's good to try to put that into your contract. Someone else said it's a red flag if they're pushing 1099s instead of W-2s. You can kind of look into that and get the different opinions on it. Another one is submitted that if they don't follow through with what they say they'll do or don't stay true to their word basically because the first contract she was negotiating the owner would just delay the steps of the process even though he said he'd have something by her to the end of the week or something like that and then they wouldn't reply and eventually ghosted her and said oh sorry we don't even have the job available anymore so if they're not really acting interested and professional then that's definitely a red flag And then I would say, similarly, last thing here is if they're seeming unmotivated to get you the official contract or they're not open to revisions, then it might not be the best fit. So wow, that was a long, long chatty episode. My voice is getting tired. So thank you all so much for listening this week and look forward to an update in the coming weeks, month about what I'm doing for my post-grad plans and of course more wonderful guest episodes that I have been working hard to record throughout D4 year for all of you despite the busyness. I'm approaching my CDCA Reb mannequin clinical exam coming up in the first weekend of October so as soon as I'm recording this I'm heading into school to go practice some more. So that's kind of the big thing on my mind lately. And once that's done and hopefully passed, I'll be feeling really good. There's still another set of it in March where we have to do the restorative. But in October, we are taking PROS and endo and perio. So getting three out of the four skills done would be a really good feeling. So that's kind of where my head is at. And a quick little life update in terms of dental school everything else is going pretty well no complaints here so i want to thank you all so so much for listening and being a part of this journey with me as i've kind of grown up through episodes of this podcast over the years and i look forward to talking to you all next monday